Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today we're going to talk about the sanctuary cities have reverse policy. Now they say no to illegal immigrants. Notre Dame burns, Christian churches under attack, but don't talk about it. And last, the Dallas District Attorney announces stealing is legal in Dallas, Texas. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello and welcome again to America Can We Talk. Obviously, we're still out in California to visit family, so we're, this is not my usual studio, but welcome and thanks so much for tuning in to America Can We Talk. President Trump made an announcement last Friday relating to one policy idea he has related to illegal aliens entering America, flooding our southern border, and an idea about placing them in sanctuary cities. And I have to play a brief clip by President Trump and then talk about the uproar it's caused. But here's President Trump. Day. And the law only allows us to hold them, as you know, for 20 days. The asylum laws are absolutely insane. Uh, they come up, in many cases, they're rough gang members. In many cases, they're people with tremendous crime records. And they're given a statement to read by lawyers that stand there waiting for them. Read this statement. And it says, I have great fear for my life. I have great fear for being in my country, even though in some cases, some of these people are holding their country's flags and waving their country's flags. And then they talk about the fear they have of being in the country that the flag they were waving freely. So uh, we are uh, looking at the possibility, strongly looking at, to be honest with you. Uh, California, the governor wants to have a lot of people coming in, refugees coming in, a uh, lot of sanctuary cities. So we'll give them to the sanctuary cities, maybe to take care of if that's the way they want it, because we can only hold them under the current law for 20 days. Okay, so there's President Trump making his announcement that they are seriously considering, the Trump administration seriously considering a policy of putting illegal aliens into sanctuary cities uh, as they continue to flood across the southern border. And this is policy has been criticized and mocked, especially by people on the left, essentially saying this is petulant, this is vindictive, this is unfair, this is so wrong. I mean, using it as a basis to criticize President Trump. I actually think it's a brilliant idea, and I don't mean that in a snarky or, it is not a matter of revenge, it's not a matter of retaliating against sanctuary cities, it is a matter of putting the sanctuary city leaders, sanctuary state leaders to the test. Do you really want to impose this on your citizens? Because it is a policy, the sanctuary city, sanctuary state situation, has caused many people, legal residents of those cities, legal people who actually pay taxes and work and live in those states, to feel as though their tax dollars are not being used to protect them. Many people in sanctuary cities and sanctuary states don't like the decisions the elites have made in, in naming themselves sanctuary cities and sanctuary states. And so this is really Trump saying, well, let's put these left-wing elitist rulers to the test. Do you really want this for your state? Do your citizens want this for your state? Because one thing that will start to happen if this policy actually takes place is that people living 
in sanctuary cities where a large amount of illegal immigrants are dropped off by the border patrol and ultimately, inevitably, some of them commit crimes and cause disturbances and difficulty in those cities, the people in those cities will then turn to their leaders, to their mayors, to their governors saying, wait a minute, why did you do this to us? Why don't we agree to follow federal law? Well, it turns out even rock star Cher uh, weighed in. I'm going to briefly show you her tweet. She weighed in about this subject. And I think it's really important to understand what she said. And then Trump responded. So here's Cher's tweet. Cher tweeted, understand helping struggling immigrants. But my city, Los Angeles, uh, where she's tweeting from, um, isn't taking care of its own. What about the 50,000 plus? And she even has a flag. Uh, United States citizens who live on the streets, people who live be below poverty line and hungry. If my state can't take care of its own, many are vets. How can it take care of more? So this is Cher weighing in. Obviously, President Trump had a field day with that. He tweeted, gee, for once I agree, I agree with Cher. But really what Cher is saying is what millions and millions and millions of Americans are saying. Cher spoke for them. Frankly, Trump spoke for them because the idea of having a completely insecure, abandoned southern border, allowing more and more people to cross over our border at a very minimum creates danger for American citizens who are the victims of crime committed by these people who really have no zero right to be here. There were cases just last week, a nanny in New Jersey, a sweet looking looking young woman nanny who went running uh, in, a, in, a par in a park near her apartment was attacked, raped, murdered, you know, and, and abandoned, her body abandoned, ultimately discovered by the authorities, by an illegal alien. There's story after story after story after story of things like that. The people, this is one of the cases where the people can see the problem. The elite ruling class are so busy virtue signaling their tolerance, their openness, their willingness to accept their willingness to demand that they that America not enforce our laws, that we just abandon the idea of citizenship, that everyone can come here and we'll protect them. This has been virtue signaling really without consequence for many of the leaders of these sanctuary cities and sanctuary states. And now if Trump actually does this, there will be consequence. And the answer of the people in those cities who don't like it should not be to blame Trump for dropping them there is blame your own leaders who won't follow a basic civilizational rule of law concept. You have to have a right to be here. You have to have some legal status. In fact, um, even Mayor de Blasio in New York City, who's just virtue signals all day long about his acceptance of everyone can come here. We're a sanctuary city. We never arrest anybody. We won't even co we won't cooperate with ICE. But out of his way to say they don't cooperate with ICE, even he said, in a uh, news conference, uh, I think it was on Saturday, essentially said, you know, um, we'll take this to court. If President Trump actually dares do this, drop illegal aliens into sanctuary cities and sanctuary states, de Blasio says New York City will sue President Trump. But you know, folks, I'm telling you, uh, he, you may get a lower court judge ultimately, you know, initially saying, you know, yeah, you can't do that, President Trump, but ultimately, we have to put these illegal aliens somewhere. The people in the border states who understand the challenge that we face as a country because we don't have a secure border, why should they be the ones 
to continue to suffer the consequences of irresponsible lawmaking, irresponsible government in not securing our border. And one last thing on this point, in California, they actually passed in 2017, the all-Democrat government. I mean, there's no elected Republican anywhere in sight in California government. The Democrats running this state, where I happen to be sitting right now in California, they passed in 2017 officially a sanctuary state status, essentially meaning they will not cooperate with the federal authorities trying to figure out who is here illegally and when those people come into conflict or come into the uh, somehow into the sphere of law enforcement, the state of California is telling their deputies, their sheriffs, don't cooperate with ICE. There's a very minimal exception, a small exception for really violent people. But pretty much California won't cooperate with the federal government on illegal immigration. And honestly, they ought to be the first recipients of these busloads and busloads of immigrants. This is kind of like chickens coming home to roost or, you know, kind of put your money where your mouth is. You say you believe this. Well, let's try it. Because when it all boils down to the end of the day, folks, it's for the same reason you lock your door at night. You don't leave your house wide open. And when you uh, leave your house, you lock it up when you leave. You lock it up when you go to bed at night. Is because you know it's your house and you're entitled to protect it and entitled to live in it without fear of others entering and taking your things. It's the same thing with a country. And this has gotten to the point of absurdity in this country where the president trying to say we have to have a secure border is vilified by the media and by the left as a hater, a xenophobe, or somehow just a really, really mean guy. And people, everyday Americans around this country who work hard, who follow the laws, who pay taxes, they're the ones suffering the consequence of all these, the policies of all these elitists who live in their gated communities and their their, their walled compounds. Nothing about the day-to-day impact of illegal immigration actually touches their lives. And this is what the average citizen is saying. They're saying what Cher said. They're saying, yeah, time for borders, time for enforcement, time to end this silliness of sanctuary cities where states think they can stand above federal law. This is a great, great uh, shrewd and I think brilliant move on President Trump's part. If these sanctuary jurisdictions want to remain that way, then their leaders should pay the price of having to deal with the massive numbers coming over the border, especially as the Democrats in Washington work so hard to prevent President Trump from ever being able to move forward with securing the border. And that, my friends, is my first five for today. Next up, there was a tragic fire. Probably everyone in America paid attention to what happened. It was just a tragic fire um, yesterday in France in the Notre Dame Cathedral, over 800 years old. There are pictures, of course, all over the Internet and all over the newspapers about the tremendous damage that that uh, happened, sadly, to the Notre Dame Cathedral. And Notre Dame, if you have not had the blessing of having to visit it there, is over 800 years old. It is a I mean, probably outside of the Vatican, the, sing- the largest single, at least building uh, symbol of the Catholic Church. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful sanctuary, beautiful place, still holds religious services, still is, a, and it is a museum. Anyway, tragic fire. One really moving thing I want to share about that um, was that outside of the fire, uh, as the fire was still ongoing, 
French citizens were gathered singing. And uh, I will tell you, folks, I'm just going to let uh, Matt bring up the, um, the video, the audio of the uh, French citizens singing. Um, they were singing um, uh, they Ave Maria, but I didn't recognize it from the way that we sing Ave Maria. But in any case, here are the French people outside watching as Notre Dame Cathedral is burning. Obviously, very, very moving stuff, watching the people in France, watching Notre Dame Cathedral burn. The fire is out. There was really a um, tremendous uh, sense of divine protection in that, even though the roof was destroyed, apparently many of the most magnificent pieces of art were saved. Many of the most magnificent, the rose um, stained glass windows, many of the beautiful uh, unique things in the uh, cathedral were saved, were, were not destroyed in the fire. So that is a great thing, and I'm happy about that. But I wanted to share with you kind of a, um, you know, what's happening uh, as the world tries to process this, as we try to think through, you know, why it happened and, and really kind of what, what it may symbolize. You may not know this, but within France, the country of France, there has been over the last year an astonishing level of vandalism of Christian churches. I am not talking about two or three. I'm talking about just in the year 2018, just this past year, 2018, 875 Catholic churches vandalized. Just Catholic churches. There have also been Jewish cemeteries all over France vandalized. And the French authorities attribute it essentially to two sources. One, they use the expression secular militants or militant secularists, people who hate religion, people who hate the Catholic Church, people who hate the Christian Church, militant secularism showing their disdain for faith, for the Christian faith, for the Catholic faith. The second source and probably larger source is the large number of Islamic refugees who've moved into France, we talked about many times in this show, Islamic refugees moving into France, who also have a, not, it's more than just disdain, but just an outright, livid, visceral hatred for Christianity, and who are intolerant of the idea that the, that the Christian church, the Catholic church, has a place in France. I want a couple of things on that, and then I want to play a couple of clips for you. But one is, within France, there was a, um, a, a Muslim man who was arrested. He's actually been in court now um, in May of this, May 3rd. Um, no, I'm sorry, it was last year, May 3rd, last year. Um, he's in court for threatening to blow up a French cathedral. A Muslim man in France, refugee, threatened to blow up, and he was arrested, threatened to blow up a French cathedral. And the reason he gave for wanting to blow up the French cathedral is because they didn't read from the Quran, didn't read from Islamic teachings, from the Quran. 
And so the uh, this is a 37-year-old Muslim refugee who threatened to blow it up and brought to court, accused of threatening it with a ha- uh, this beautiful French cathedral with a hand grenade. We They have thefts, in addition to just destruction and um, vandalizing of the Christian and Catholic churches, and mainly Catholic churches in France, they have religious objects uh, being stolen, being destroyed. They have people smearing human feces all over the inside of Catholic churches. And this is a, it's a, why I want to talk about it is there's several reasons. One is that we've talked about this in a show before, but it's so important to, to remember what is happening. France, Western Europe, UK, all over Western Europe, as a result of the large numbers of Islamic refugees who came into those countries, again, at the behest and invitation of the ruling elite, who all said it was fine, Angela Merkel, right on down, all the leaders of, the, of these Western European countries, virtue signaling their acceptance, allowed a millions of Islamic refugees to move into those countries, and people who brought with them a disdain and intolerance for Christianity. Almost as bad as that, or maybe even worse than that is, there has been kind of a code of silence among journalists, among authority figures, among police, a code of silence that says, even when crime occurs, you don't attach it to a religion. That somehow you're wronging the religion of Islam, you're wronging the uh, Muslim immigrants if you dare to point out that the person committing the crime did so on behalf of Islam. In fact, one of the big cases I was reading about the uh, destruction, uh, the uh, desecrating of a Catholic church involved Islamic immigrants uh, putting graffiti on the side of the church saying Allahu Akbar, which is the Islamic expression they say right before they commit jihadist attacks. I mean, this is an ongoing, and yet, and if you watch my show at all, you know, a few weeks ago, I had on the show Katie Hopkins and Elizabeth Sabadich wolf visiting from Europe, or Katie's from UK and Elizabeth from Austria, but they were in America trying to raise the alarm bell about the fact both that there has been excessive, ongoing, relentless Islamic aggression toward the uh, European native citizens, uh, both in the form of violent attacks and also in the form of just a push, a pressure and insistence on Western European culture, Judeo-Christian culture, a pressure on them to to, uh, submit to, to go along with, to agree to Islamic uh, values, virtues, ways of life and beliefs. There has been the creation of no-go zones. We talked about that many times on this show. We've had people, Raheem Kassam came on the show to describe his tour he took all over Western Europe as a former Muslim watching the no-go zones being created in Western European countries where those no-go zones were comprised of Islamic immigrants who say no more Western law here, Islamic law applies. So this has been an ongoing thing in Western Europe and the uh, just a, a just extremely detrimental consequence is or, or, or byproduct of it all is the aggression to, uh, on behalf of Islamic immigrants, the, the aggression against the native culture, the aggression against the people in authority has resulted in police, elected officials, not, and, and, and journalists, news people, not telling the truth 
about what the cause is of so much of the aggression they're reporting. They simply won't tell you, the people, the truth. And that causes me, I want to turn to now and play and ask my extremely wonderful producer, Matt, who is helping me do this show from California. He's back in the great state of Texas where the RNP studios, RNPR studios are. Let Matt play for you uh, the, what I uh, so, want to send him something earlier uh, related to the, um, the, uh, uh, Neil Cavuto, can think of his name, sorry, Neil Cavuto, the Fox guy, it, he had on his show a, a gentleman who is the president of the Catholic League. He's uh, named Phil Donahue. He asked Phil Donahue to come on the show and talk about the Notre Dame Cathedral burning. Cavuto, I'll let you play it, then I'll, I'll comment. I want to play it first, then I'll comment on it. Here is Neil Cavuto interviewing Catholic League president Phil Donahue. On the phone, Bill, uh, we don't know what started this. We do know the repercussions and what has been left as a result of this. Ruins, and ruins that could, could take some time to fix and make right, and you never can make it as it was. Well, Neil, if it is an accident, it's a monumental tragedy. But forgive me for being suspicious. Just last month, a 17th century church was set on fire in Paris. We've seen tabernacles knocked down, crosses have been torn down, statues have been no, we smashed. Don't, we don't know that. We don't know. So if we can avoid what your suspicions might be, I do want to look at what happens now. There was a very pricey rebuilding and renovation effort going on that involved a good deal of Catholic fundraising campaigns. I know in this country and abroad, this renovation was paid for up front. So in other words, all the monies were there. And now I'm wondering how much more the Catholic Church commits to this, or do you think now they first want to get to the bottom of it? Well, first they have to get to the bottom of it, and they will rebuild it. There's no question about that. And they, certainly the Catholic Church will come up with the money for it. That's not even a question. But uh, I, I, I'm sorry. I mean, when I find out that the Eucharist is being destroyed and excrement is, is being smeared on crosses, Wait a minute, this Bill, is going on now. We, we can, we, Bill, I, I love you, Neil, but we cannot make conjectures about this. So thank you very, oh, I'm very not, much. I, I, Bill, I, I, I'm sorry. Thank you very, very much. I do want to let people know, and again, we're not trying to be rude to our guests here. There is so much we do not know about what, what happened here. Do you get what's happening there? Neil Cavuto. Fox business host hung up during an interview, hung up on Phil Donahue, the Catholic League president, because he kept wanting to try to say, let me give you some factual context. We've had Islamic and secular militant attacks on Christian churches. He's well aware of what's happening in the Catholic churches all over France. It is not random strangers. It is not you know, other native Europeans wandering in from neighboring countries and deciding to attack Catholic churches. It is not people, it is, it is not as though a person using common sense, common observational abilities could not figure out what's happening. But Neil Cavuto is so frightened, so frightened about possibly hinting at the idea that maybe this fire at Notre Dame may have been caused, may have been one in the many of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of attacks on Christian churches throughout Europe that was committed by someone who is acting on behalf of the Islamic faith, acting on behalf of the Muslim faith. He won't even let Donahue make that conjecture, won't even let him talk about the astonishing, overwhelming destruction of Catholic churches throughout France at the hands of the Islamic immigrants 
And 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 so I, I just I can't urge you strongly. This, this guy was Bill Donahue. He said his name wrong. Sorry, Bill Donahue, who is the one who is the Catholic League president. But the point of this whole thing is this is Neil Cavuto working for Fox, Fox, who already last week punished Judge Janine Pirro, took her show off the, the air for two weeks simply because she dared to point out Han Omar follows or may follow Sharia, Islamic law. Sharia common thread runs through every sect of Islam. Sharia, if anything else, is the most common thread in all of Islam. Janine Pirro simply said, it might be a problem for us here in America that we have Ilan Omar, Omar in Congress now, you know, and, and she may follow Sharia, which is in, inconsistent with the American Constitution. This is a fact. This is like saying two plus two is four. Sharia law cannot be followed in America if we have the Constitution and the rule of law. It's one or the other. This is not a complicated point to make. That's all Janine Pirro had to say, and she was taken off the air for two weeks. So here now, Neil Cavuto can't even let this guy, the president of the Catholic League, point out that Israel, that, that France is under assault from, by Islamic refugees destroying and desecrating Catholic churches. We cannot have the news freeze out that's happened in Europe happened in France and all over Western Europe and the UK, we cannot agree to let that come here. We cannot say, well, there's certain things we don't report, even if they're true, because maybe it will upset some people. But that's really what you're hearing from Neil Cavuto. I could have played a similar clip. Another Fox host, similar thing, hung up on someone he was interviewing, rather than let that person at least point out the factual history about the attack on Catholic churches by Muslim immigrants in France. And again, folks, the numbers, staggering numbers, 875 Catholic churches just this year in France. So I'm telling you folks, unless we get our, you know, we, we get a little stronger, a little braver in this country, we're going to be bullied. Our media will be bullied. Our people will be bullied from talking about what is the source of these attacks? Why are they happening? And very quickly, go, turning to Ilhan Omar. I didn't do a long thing about it last week, but there's an ongoing spat between Ilhan Omar, the Democrat, the Muslim Democrat Congresswoman from Minnesota, very outspoken anti-Semitic, uh, just, you know, just just deplores Israel. Well, she's allowed to do it. It's a free country, but she deplores Israel. She's extremely anti-Semitic. And people in Congress pointing it out and people in in the uh, public eye pointing it out, President Trump pointing it out, are immediately attacked by the left. The left is saying, you can't criticize anything related to Islam. You can't do it. So last week, Representative Ilhan Omar, in a speech, referred to the 9-11 attacks. The attacks in America on September 11, 2001, in which nearly 3,000 people were killed by an utterly, completely unprovoked attack by radical Muslims flying into the World Trade Center, flying into the Pentagon. One plane, fortunately, I guess you say fortunately, crashed into the ground before it hit either the Capitol or the White House. We don't know for sure where they were headed, Capitol or the White House, but either way, we lost nearly 3,000 Americans 
And Ilhan Omar referred to that day as some people did something. She is not being asked by anyone, well, on her side, on the Democrats, had nothing asked by anyone to say, you know, those, for example, she could say those people were contorting Islam. It's always wrong in Islam. You know, even though the, the Quran says that devout Muslims are supposed to kill or convert infidels, she could have said, I know the Quran says that and some imams say that, but that is wrong. I denounce that what they did was wrong. I'm a member of the Muslim faith and I am a, you know, I support, uh, you know, that we behave in law-abiding ways. She could say a lot, but she tried to, to just dumb down the whole reason. She tried to hide the whole reason for the September 11th attacks, which were done specifically and absolutely as a form of jihad, as a form of the fulfilling the mission of the Quran, telling devout Muslims you must kill or convert infidels. It was an attack on America, not random, not because you know we have more money or any other reason other than that. It was an attack on Western world by radical Muslims. Ilhan Omar doesn't want to say this, doesn't want to acknowledge this. And she goes through a whole, uh, some people did something. And so President Trump said, yeah, here's what they did. And he put up a video of September 11th. This was way more than some people did something. And the left has gone wild, criticizing Trump, saying he's not allowed to point out what really happened on September 11th. Folks, what the left and the media are telling you is you can't talk about things that are true if they might upset people. You can't talk about things that are true if it might upset Ilhan Omar or other Muslim Americans who are trying to make you forget what motivated the 9-11 attackers. Trump, having known of it, he put his tweet out there anyway, put the video up, and he's not backing down. But this is really, a, um, you know, these two stories, these, these stories are connected. That what's happened in France with the Notre Dame Cathedral. Now, I will say, we don't know what happened in the Notre Dame Cathedral. We do not know. It may be some fire caused by uh, fire in an, an adjoining building, by supplies that were left. That, we don't know. No one knows for sure yet what happened, what caused the fire at the Notre Dame Cathedral. We do know, and I didn't get the text to play for you, the little clip to play for you, but there is there is there are, uh, Arabic news uh, sources in France showing Muslim refugees, Muslim people living in France, cheering and clapping, happily watching Notre Dame burn. Those exist. Those are put out there proudly by in, in Arabic media in France. So it's not like it's just a crazy assumption that maybe what happened in France may be tied to Islamic refugees. We don't know. And this, this Bill Donahue, who was trying to talk Neil Cavuto, he was, he was clear. He was saying, we don't know what happened yet with the Notre Dame Cathedral. And it may have been, you know, some not, it may have not been arson, but he's trying to get out to America. But look at what we have been putting up with in France for this, you know, for the last many years with respect to militant secularists, a tiny percent of them, and the radical uh, Muslims, violent jihadist Muslims committing desecration of Catholic and other Christian churches in France. And to have Neil Cavuto so frightened of the censors at Fox, so frightened of public criticism that he won't even let the guy finish the interview 
because he doesn't want to have anything on his show that might possibly imply that yes, there may have been uh, it may have been terrorism that was that was involved in the fire at Notre Dame, but more broadly, he doesn't want someone on his show telling his listeners that France has a huge problem, a huge problem with violence committed in the name of Islam ongoing today, including attacks on Christian churches. The facts matter. Truth matters. It matters to let people know what the facts are. Now, turning to the last story for today, I can't believe these, these shows always race back, race by so quickly. I want to tell you a quick thing that's happening in Dallas, Texas, where I happen to live, but you know, these kind of this kind of thinking, these kind of things happen all over the country. The Dallas District Attorney. So we have, you know, in Dallas, we have a um, new district attorney. He's been there under a year. He was elected in 2018. And so, and actually, even though these races are allegedly nonpartisan, he's a Democrat. He ran as a Democrat, defeated a Republican, great Republican candidate, someone I wholeheartedly supported, Faith Johnson. But here we are. So this new district attorney, uh, whose last name is Crusoe, John Crusoe, announced a policy at the end of last week. This is in Dallas County, and, and you know this is a this is a huge, you know, uh, I don't know where it fits in the in the pecking order of how big the county is, but this is a major city, a major county, not just in Texas, but in the whole country. John Crusoe, Democrat, announced that in Dallas, Texas, his office will no longer prosecute people for stealing anything less than $750, and he put the term, who, uh, who steal necessary items. Or he also used in his, in his letter to the public, or who steal if they don't steal for financial gain. Well, first of all, why else does anyone steal except for financial gain? I mean, if you steal someone's wallet and you now have their $100, and the guy who owns the wallet doesn't have it, you've had financial gain. So the idea, what he's saying, we won't prosecute. But he goes on to it to talk about this as a, um, he says, and this, I want you to think about this idea he's saying, because this is going to, this kind of thinking tends to sweep through the country, left-wing thinkers. The DA, Dallas District Attorney letter says, criminalizing poverty is counterproductive for our community's health and safety. For that reason, this office will not prosecute theft of personal items less than $750 unless the evidence shows that the alleged theft was for economic gain. Okay, so first of all, theft is always for economic gain, to be clear. Second of all, what do you think will happen to the crime rate in Dallas as a result of this? When thieves are told, don't worry, go ahead and pickpocket, go ahead and take some money, go ahead and take people's stuff, because we're not going to prosecute you. If you know that, I mean, everyone who's a thinking person realizes crime will go up. So naturally, Crusoe immediately started receiving letters from business owners saying, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about people who are in my store, our store? What about people who are shoplifting? You, you know, they, and he had the term necessary items in his letter. So someone steals a shirt from my store? And you're going to say, well, clothing is a necessary item, so I won't prosecute him. 
what in the world do you mean by this? So he, he's been backpedaling, explaining, but he keeps, keeps using the term, don't criminalize poverty. Folks, prosecuting thieves is not criminalizing poverty. Let me try to explain that in a, in a, uh, in a basic two-minute thing. You know, in fact, it's easier to, it was just a very quick story. My father grew up in Minnesota. He grew up in a um, place where, it, you know, his family didn't have any money. His, there were seven kids. My grandfather had been in the family. My grandmother raised seven kids by herself. She raised seven kids by herself, five boys, two girls, you know, didn't have a high paying job, didn't have any money. They didn't, they were not starving to death, but they never had enough of anything. She managed to keep them all in school, took them to church on Sunday, taught them right from wrong, taught them you don't steal, taught them the Ten Commandments, taught them to follow their Christian faith. All seven of them managed to finish high school. Six of them finished college. One of them became a doctor. Not one of them committed theft. Not one of them robbed somebody because they were poor. And this was true, not just of my dad's family, but of quite literally of thousands and thousands of families in that era who didn't have enough money. The result of their poverty was they were determined to work harder, to get a good education, to find a job, to find a way to earn money, to be self-sufficient. My point is crime is not the necessary out, outgrowth necessary byproduct of poverty. Crime is a choice. Now, if you're really talking about someone who quite literally is starving to death and steals a loaf of bread, I think most prosecutors, most juries are going to have sympathy on that. Those kind of things happen in our system all the time, where we say we're going to have sympathy for this person uh, because we see they were hungry, they only stole to eat, they are the way. But that's not what he said. It was a blanket policy. Anyone who steals anything less than $750, you tell me one person you know who's ever had anything even close on a day-to-day -day basis to $750 in their wallet. Nobody even, I mean, every pickpocketing, every theft, every, you know, holding you up at gunpoint, you almost, the amount of money almost everyone has in their wallet is well less than $750. It's giving a free ticket to crime. It's, it's telling people ahead of time, don't worry, you won't be prosecuted. And it is going to end up with, it's going to end up with encouraging crime and causing division in the Dallas community. It is a grotesque distortion of the job of the district attorney to announce he's essentially nullifying the laws the state legislature passed and saying, we're not going to do that. And it's all this virtue signaling, don't criminalize poverty. Poverty doesn't create crime. Criminals commit crime. We have plenty of systems in our country to help the poor. If we need to have more programs, more free things, more programs, more handouts, better, whatever it is we need, help the people to not be impoverished. But, but we are just on a horribly wrong path in America to start saying we're not going to prosecute crime. And that will somehow alleviate poverty disastrous policy, huge mistake on behalf of Dallas District Attorney Cruzo. And now, quiet matters to you. I do this show every week 
to talk to you every day, four days a week, Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time. I do this show to talk with you about America, about the importance of this extraordinary, exceptional, wonderful country, America. I do this show to encourage all of us to feel the just tremendous uh gratitude for this country, this the tremendous need that each of us has to understand America's greatness so we can hold on to America's greatness. So I, I like to close the show by telling you why the things I talked about today matter to you. First thing, what we talked about earlier today, why it matters to you, illegals placed in sanctuary cities. Sanctuary cities were not created by the citizens. They were created by the ruling elite class who virtues out virtue signals each other who do not, the people who do not listen to the guy on the ground, listen to the average person who does not want to have their community flooded with illegal, illegal aliens, does not want to hear that the tax dollars they pay go to the sheriff's department, the police departments, who will not cooperate with federal law. So elites in sanctuary cities and sanctuary states are defying federal law and they're endangering their own citizens. What they do matters. It hurts the citizens of their own countries. Forcing them to put their money where their mouth is is a brilliant way to make this point. Trump is not being mean. He's causing the left to own the policies they say they believe in. Second, why it matters to you, the Notre Dame and the churches under attack. Speaking truth about the source of Islamic-inspired violence in France and in America and everywhere is not mean. It is instead the only way to begin to understand and then solve the problem. Neil Cavuto cutting off the president of the Catholic League, the media all over Europe and the police departments and elected officials refusing to tell the truth about the incredible violence occurring all over Western Europe including violence against Catholic and other Christian churches, simply to preserve the mirage, the illusion, the lie that everything's fine, all the Islamic immigrants coming into Western Europe, everybody's integrating fine, everybody's assimilating, no problem here. This is not helping. In fact, it's hurting the people who live in those communities, who live in those areas, who have to deal with the situation the government is pretending does not exist. And the third, why it matters to you on the Dallas DA abandoning law. What he's really doing, he is abandoning the law abiding citizens. He's ignoring crime and failing to prosecute, which will only encourage crime, teach no lessons to those who commit crime, punishes taxpayers and law followers and creates division. Because if you're a law abiding citizen in Texas or in any place in America, and you learn that the district attorney in your area is now saying, hey, we're going to let little things go. We're not going to little things. So we're going to say, you know, st stealing less than $750, no problem, no crime. The resentment that will grow in communities when they feel like the forces in their community who are supposed to be enforcing the law, the forces who are supposed to be holding people accountable, have abandoned their job in favor of the politically correct virtue signaling message that really crime isn't such a big deal after all. It's just driven by poverty, which by the way, the po it all gets around to the discussion of 
and the American left's message of this is a terrible, horrible, evil country and that capitalism and freedom has left so many impoverished. What else could they possibly be expected to do? Of course, they have to commit crime. Of course, they have to rob people. They have to rob stores because look at this horrible country they live in. It all fits in with a left wing message and we must stand up and speak truth. There is nothing wrong and everything right about law and order. That doesn't mean that there's no place for mercy. It doesn't mean that there's no place for a prosecutor, a judge, a jury to take into contemplate, take into consideration, to contemplate the circumstances in someone's life and meet and, and either the jury make a decision based on those factors and maybe find a lesser crime having been committed, a judge taking those things into account. We already fold mercy into the system. We have ways to do that already. Simply abandoning the enforcement of law is not the way. It will cause great division and harm to our precious, wonderful country and to the divisions, to the various factions of, and groups of people in this country. You only can have a law-abiding country. You can only have order and civil society if you have the rule of law and you actually enforce it. I'm Debbie Georgias. This is America Can We Talk. I want to tell you three other quick things. I'm doing the show this week from California. So two more days, Wednesday and Thursday. And then next week, I'll be back in the wonderful studio, studios, RNCN Network. I love doing it in studio. But I could not, in this two-week trip out here to visit family, I couldn't abandon the show the whole time. So I love talking with you from this very casual studio we have out here at Visiting Family in California. But I also want to urge you to go to our website, americacanwetalk.org. All of the stories we talked about today, all of them are on a, if you go to the homepage of americacanwetalk.org, you go under shows and go down list of links. There you will see links to all the stories I talked about because I urge you to read the stories. I, I'm a very conscientious in my preparation. I want to have give you the opportunity to read the stories I read, to think about what I'm saying about America. Because ultimately, the preservation of any country, the preservation of a society and a culture falls into the hands of those who are willing to step up and take charge and be responsible and be part of the guardians of the qualities and values and the mores and the rules and laws of that country. If we abandon the border, if we abandon the enforcement of law, if we abandon the rule of law, if we abandon truth, all of us as Americans suffer. It's our job to be part of the effort to preserve America, the most extraordinary exercise in human liberty on the planet. I speak up every day for America because America matters. Talk to you tomorrow. America, can we talk truth about America? <laughs>